Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. In 1978, ABC's Wide World of Sports featured an unforgettable line, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. That says so much about the highs and lows of sport. And that's what we're going to dive into in part two of my conversation with Ruth brennan Mori. Let's get to it. The word highlight is so closely associated with sports. And it's no wonder, for many people, some of their greatest memories revolve around an athletic achievement or moment. Ruth brennan Mori had plenty of those moments during her playing career at the University of Wisconsin. But what may top them all was scoring two goals in the Big Ten title game against the University of Minnesota her freshman year. But years later, sports brought her to her knees as injuries sent her mind into dark places. In part two, Ruth and I are going to explore those key years in her life and her passion for psychology after dealing with anxiety and depression herself. Stay tuned. Looking back, what's something you appreciated about your parents' influence on your athletic journey? So my parents were, they were from Ireland and my mom was, I kind of have a, a, a different childhood. So my mom was in a wheelchair from when I was, I don't know, maybe five years old. And she passed away when I was 17. She was an exceptional field hockey player over in Ireland. And I definitely have my genes from her and um, determination and ambition. But my dad was a great athlete too. He was a you know Boston Marathoner. And my parents would, would show up at games. They did not orchestrate my schedule. They let me find rides to <laughs> do my own practices. And I always had to carpool with people and, and ask them, call them on the phone and just figure out a way, ride my bike to practice. They were not helicopter parents. They showed up and they cheered and they loved me after every game and they weren't screaming parents, they were silent and they were just so supportive. We had an excellent team, a kind of a parent family that we knew so well. They let me just do my own thing. Even when it came to college, I felt like I was in control and I was making my own decisions. It wasn't this parental kind of control. So I really felt like I had a good management of where my own life was was taking me, but they were very supportive throughout my childhood and I could not have asked for for better parents. What was something that you reflect upon as you think about your time uh, playing soccer at the University of Wisconsin? I think about two things, well, many things. My time at Wisconsin was just a life-changing experience. I mean, four years of living, breathing soccer with my best friends that, you know, we were thrown on the same team and all of a sudden we're all just best friends and we loved being with each other and we loved competing against each other. My dad would drive down at three and a half hours on a Friday night to watch a game, drive back so that he could work on Saturday, then drive back down on, on Sunday to watch my Sunday game. So I think that that was very special to me. My time at Wisconsin, you know, I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about what being a great teammate is. I do remember probably the 
the greatest game that we would ever have was always against the Gophers, where we played some Minnesota great players like Jen McElmory, Jen Wallach, Aaron Hussey. And um, I'll never forget a game where we actually had to, in the Big Ten Championship game, at Wisconsin, it was snowing the night before and we had the parents had to shovel the field in order to play. And I was a freshman at that time. And it was just like, you know, everybody was wearing all the winter gear hats and everything on the field. And it was freezing cold. But we, you know, we wanted to beat the Gophers so bad. And then as a freshman, I scored two goals in the Big Ten Championship game. So as a memory that comes out as, as the big deal. So... You know, again, there's just so many different things that we can talk about with you that, I mean, you're just such a fascinating person and you've accomplished so much. But one of the things that I just can't ignore because I've thought about it, but just have really never taken any meaningful steps toward it. And it's running a marathon and you trained for your first marathon. Tell us how you did. So it's so interesting. So after my four years of NCAA eligibility ran out, I was like, you know, I kind of want to still stay in shape, you know, as a 22 year old. And so I, a friend of mine said, hey, let's take this um, marathon training class. And so I took the marathon training class from the University of Wisconsin when I was a senior. Um, I was playing in the W League. That's kind of that was the semi-professional league uh, back then. But I'm like, I, I still want to you know, I want to run a marathon to see how I do. So we had to go through this intense course of not just doing the training, but also learning about nutrition and physiology and training methodology. And it was probably one of the more difficult courses I had ever taken at Wisconsin. Uh, I did pass. I did finish the marathon. And I think I I was like third place at the Madison Marathon in 3.15. And then two days later, I played in a 90-minute soccer game down in Chicago. And so I'm like, ooh, I definitely have some more in me. So, you know, then it kind of took off from there and wondering how fast can I really get at this marathon? So, I mean, that's incredible. 3.15 in your first marathon. How many months are we talking about in terms of what that marathon training course was? Um, it was a full semester, so maybe four months. I mean, you're such a competitive person, but what was that goal that you were seeking for that first marathon? You know, just because usually when you're training, you don't actually run a full marathon, right? So, I mean, that might was that the first time you actually ran 26 miles just in yeah. the training leading up to it? Yeah, and it was very easy. So it was, you know, it wasn't a difficult day. I was still walking afterwards. I wasn't hobbling. It was, and and I think the the greater, even greater story would out of that would have been, you know, what was next. And that was, I really wanted to break three hours in the marathon. And so my brother put together a plan for me in my second marathon. He said, just follow this plan. I said, okay, I'll do it. And then I ran grandma's marathon, which is in Duluth, as you know, Mm -hmm. and he was kind of going to pace me for the first 10 miles in the marathon to try to break three hours. Now he stayed pretty silent those first 10 miles. He was gonna drop out of the race just to kind of pace me as my coach and brother. And he's looking at his watch at 10 miles and he's realizing that I'm going at a pretty fast clip. And he doesn't say anything, but he's he was a, a collegiate runner himself and he's doing all these calculations in his head. And he's coming to the con- conclusion that even if I slow down by five seconds per mile, 
I will not only achieve the three hour marathon, but I'll qualify for the Olympic trials in the year 2000. So I ended up running a 248 marathon in my second marathon and qualifying for the Olympic trials. And uh, that was a fantastic experience. I had no idea what the Olympic trials were. (laughs) So when we were crossing the finish line, he knew he was in tears, tears streaming down his face, you know, in the the finish line photo. But I was oblivious and um, definitely in pain that, that marathon. So that spring, that was the big springboard of my running, distance running, triathlon kind of career. What did that mean to you to have your brother train you and just invest so much in your success? He has been my rabbit my entire life. I mean, he he was um, four years older than me and I wanted to do everything that Mike could do. If Mike could juggle, you know, 300 juggles, I could do 301. If he could do 500, I could do 501. So it was like this constant, like I wanted to be like Mike. And he did not mind his little sister being around because he knew that I could hold my own with his friends. And um, it was very special. And now he's always at my my big races. He went to Hawaii. He went to um, California. He went to Chattanooga to various races. And it's just so special to have that shared bond because he always wanted to qualify for the Olympic trials and he had a hip injury, so he couldn't. So, you know, part of it is I'm not just running for me, but for him as well. And that always brings the best out of ourselves when we can find a purpose greater than ourselves. Sort of the next chapter of your life, I mean, that's kind of where you really found this uh, passion around, you know, psychology. And tell me about that period, you know, in your bio on your website, it describes a period with burnout and injury and running into some challenges. Can you just share a little bit about what was happening at that time and, and what led you and inspired you to pursue psychology? Yeah, it's it's um, definitely a growth a growth story. So I was I studied rehabilitation psychology in my undergraduate years. Then I just catapulted from a soccer player into after this uh, Olympic trials qualifying. You know, and all of a sudden I was a runner. I didn't have a team anymore. Now I was not just there to be with my. F- friends and my teammates, but it was now I was competing to win. Like I just wanted to win. Outcome was most essential to me. Outcome and um, athletic identity owned me. And there is a real danger when your life is invested in one, only one element of you. And when I would experience various injuries in running, um, it was as though the walls were closing in. It was as though, you know, my entire kind of identity was on the line. Who am I? You know, an eight week Achilles tendonitis that devastated me. Like, I mean, every runner goes through that. Right. But it was as though it was a shot to myself because I could no, I no longer knew who I was as a person. You know, uh, even larger injuries would just really rattle me. Anxiety would be through the roof. Depression would set in, and so that was a that was a time where I worked through it. But I realized that I didn't want that anymore. I didn't want to just win. And so I, after three years of distance running, from the year. 1999 to 2001, I quit. 
I did not run a single marathon, a 5K, a mud run for 10 years. So in that 10 years, I channeled all my competitiveness into getting a doctorate in counseling psychology, um, in sports psychology, and also had three kids. So it's not like I was sitting on the couch. But (laughs) (laughs) during those 10 years, I also grew in my faith. And I realize that there is something greater to my existence than just me playing games on the fit on the field or running on the on the roads. I realize that I have and we all have our own purpose and our own sense of belonging in this world and our responsibility to give back to other people. And so when I realized that I was racing for something greater than myself, that changed everything. After those 10 years, I was dared to, to do a triathlon. I didn't even know what a triathlon was. Swim, bike, run. I, you know, I didn't know how to swim. As a 35-year-old, I did not know how to swim. I didn't know how far it was from one side of the pool to the other. I knew how to not drown. I didn't know how to swim. But then I said, I will not start any type of training unless my purpose is solid, unless I know that nothing in, on the external will rattle me. I will stay strong as a person of faith and also a person who really wants to find what my gift is. Like, is it athleticism? I don't believe it is. I believe it's, it's more than that. Teaching and giving back to other people through the experiences, rich experiences that I've had. But then when I had my purpose intact, I started triathlon and had eight years of professional triathlon in my life. And it was just the most incredible experience ever, which then catapulted me into distance running back with Olympic trial qualifying in 2020. It was a really long journey to get to where I am right now. But I feel so fortunate for all the bumps, for all the you know blemishes. And um, that's that's the story that I am so grateful for that now I you know am able to take to the pitch and teach my own teams. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. If you have any comments or questions, visit my website, seankjensen.com and go to the contact page where you can even leave me a voice recording. Winning is not everything, but the three H's to be a real hero in life are hustle, humility, and heart. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, and we'll see you again next time.